Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Backpacking Experience Podcast today. Thank you for being here. I've got a really fun episode to share with you. I finally was able to get my wife to join me to interview her, have a discussion with her, conversation about kind of like her perspective and such on backpacking and camping and all of that. So we're going to get into all of the fun things that my wife has to share and say about me and our relationship and just how the outdoors has really shaped our family life and all of that fun stuff. But before we do that, I want to share with you the sponsors of today's episode. By now, you should know Art of the Trek for their fantastic route planning tools and mapping tools. But I'm happy to share that Art of the Trek is looking for knowledgeable hikers to join their team as a custom route guide planner. This is a paid, flexible, remote opportunity to help plan hiking and backpacking routes for hikers who submit custom route guide requests through their website. So if you are a map nerd, have particular knowledge about how to plan backpacking trips in detail, and want to get paid for planning trips for others, then send a message to Nicole for more information. Tell her that the Backpacking Experience podcast sent you. You can get more information by sending an email directly to Nicole at artofthetrek.com. Her email is also listed in the show notes. I personally feel that one of the biggest things to deal with in the backcountry is when insects become unmanageable. We've all been on trips where mosquitoes and biting flies and such force you into your tent earlier than you want to, and it's just not a fun experience. I mean, I've had backpacking trips turn from enjoyable experiences to complete frustration simply by not being able to handle the bugs. I'm grateful to have found Sawyer Picardin lotion a few years back after having some poor experiences of DEET treatments ruining some of my outdoor gear. Sawyer's Picardin lotion and sprays have worked wonders in the backcountry for me, keeping mosquitoes, ticks, biting flies, and more completely away from me, and it doesn't have that nasty smell you get from DEET. Most importantly for me, it is much safer to use, doesn't destroy outdoor gear like DEET does, and it is safe to use with the whole family. So as you're preparing to plan holiday gifts for yourself and hikers in your life, grab a bottle of Sawyer Picardin lotion so it's ready for those spring trips when the bugs return but won't be able to bug you. A link to get some Sawyer Picardin for yourself is found in the show notes. ready to do this thing absolutely (laughs) okay what's up everybody welcome to the backpacking experience podcast super glad that you're here now i have a very special guest on the podcast today i've got my beautiful wife what's up (laughs) there she is uh so this is katie she and i have been together for 10 years we were just talking about this 10 years of uh, knowing each other and not quite 10 years of marriage, but getting close. Pretty close. Pretty dang close. (laughs) Part of that's going to come into the conversation that we're going to have on this episode and very excited about it because this was actually Katie's idea for me to interview her and talk about how backpacking basically affects or has a major role in our relationship, in our family life, and 
how we choose uh, to spend time in the outdoors as a family and all of those kinds of things. So we're going to jump into those kinds of conversations and questions and such as we go through this tonight. As uh, it is a late night for us, we've got kids, right? Yeah, that are hopefully in bed. <laughs> They're hopefully in bed, sleeping. But the first thing that I want Katie to do is I want you to give everybody listening what your outdoor experience is like, kind of your understanding of the outdoors, how much time you've spent in the outdoors, or what like that is for you, and where that lies in like the scale of importance of being outside. Okay, well, jumping right in, I... I get asked a lot because everyone who knows me and knows you knows that you're the outdoor enthusiast and they are kind of under the impression that I am along for the ride, uh, but that's really untrue. Yeah, not I, true at all. <laughs> <laughs> really untrue. I was raised really similarly to you and I think that's one of the first things that we uh, bonded over was our mutual love for the outdoors. We were both raised going on camping trips. Mm-hmm. I didn't fly on an airplane until, what, three years ago? (laughs) Because my entire childhood, our vacations, our spring breaks, our summer vacations were camping trips. That's the way my parents raised me to be. And that instilled a love for the outdoors really early on. Um, That being said, I don't have hardly any experience in backpacking. And we'll get into that later, I'm sure. Yeah. Um. But I really love hiking. I love camping. And I definitely love the solitude and the mental, I don't know, the mental break it is to just be outside and breathe fresh air. So I have a huge respect and love for the outdoors. And often it's you that's saying to me, like, uh, Dev, Let's go camping. Totally. Let's go outside and let's do something as a family. (laughs) I I have to advocate for the family camping because you spend a lot of time uh, kind of making these bucket list trips and planning these awesome backpacking trips. But I have to remind you that we also need to do some car camping, some family stuff, too, because I don't want to be left out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Which is fair. Totally fair. And... Part of that is because, like, we have young kids. It's hard to plan these big, grandiose trips that are really technical. Like, I feel like I'm at that point in my backpacking where I am am planning things that are more advanced, more technical in just a skill set that would be really difficult for me to take just any type of person that, is like a general backpacker. That's not to say that I don't do trips that aren't inclusive of everybody, but when I'm planning a personal trip, it really is like exploration, off trail, like kind of aggressive. Totally. That's not that's not every single trip. And you always help bring that back into perspective of well, th- what we do as a family. Totally. I think that they're like your backpacking life and our family camping life are on two totally separate planes yes like they're not they're not related hardly at all (laughs) so maybe we should tell the story of 
the Grays River and how like that is a common, basically a coincidence, but also something that has always been like kind of a backbone of why we choose to spend our time together as a family in the outdoors. Okay, so this is this is a funny story, and I feel like it's not it it just like doesn't reach people the way it reaches you and I because no one cares about this as much as you and I. <laughs> it does, <laughs> which not, is totally fair. Like, <laughs> yeah, everybody everybody has that thing in their relationship. Totally, but that's the thing is like it doesn't matter to anybody else but me and you, and that's why it matters so much is because like you are the only other person in the entire world that gets it. Right. And that is just like, hello, ding, 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 marry him. (laughs) So, um, like 25, 30 years ago, my dad and his best friend were turned on to this awesome fishing spot in Wyoming by, I don't know, I think it was his friend's dad or uncle or something. Just someone random was just like, hey, next time you're in Wyoming, you got to check out this little river. It's perfect for fishing. Um, so my, my dad and Kevin, his best friend went up there and just fell in love with this area in Star Valley, Wyoming. It's called the Grays River. And shortly after he and Kevin discovered this, they started planning yearly trips up there. They started making hats. K&M, my dad's name is Mike, K&M Expeditions. (laughs) This has been happening for longer than I've been alive, almost. (laughs) That they have their their relationship is a different story, but this Gray's River turned into this awesome place for my dad and his best friend, and he was so excited to bring us as a family up there, um, and that became our tradition too. All throughout my childhood, every summer, I knew that there was a good chance I would be spending my early August birthday in Gray's River, and it's just always been my absolute favorite place in the world. What's your side of the story? <laughs> so it, uh, it goes back all the way to 1991, I believe when my family and our next door neighbors started. Well, yeah, we started going camping together and we went camping every single year, my family and this neighbor family in 91, we went to Yellowstone and so we basically made this side trip up to the Grays River because uh, this ne- neighbor family, they grew up in the Star Valley area or they're from the Star Valley area and just was always talking about how the fishing was really great. And so we stopped to check it out. And then we went and did our Yellowstone trip. But then moving forward from there every year, it just became this yearly tradition that the two families spent a week-long vacation up at the Grays River. So the way that this comes into play of how it's important for Katie and I is... Let me tell it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to tell it. Uh, So this neighbor family that Devin is talking about, um, one of the daughters in the family, her name is Tracy. She and I had a mutual friend, and we got really close one summer, the three of us. That summer, Tracy also got engaged. And at the time, Devin, who I did not know, was a photographer. He was uh, going to school for photography at the time. Uh-huh. He was building a really successful brand. He was super awesome wedding photographer. And Tracy hired him to be her wedding photographer. 
So Tracy was engaged. Um, over the course of her and I becoming better friends, we discovered that both of our families, just by bizarre coincidence, were camping at the same little tiny place in Wyoming that literally no one else has ever heard of. And I thought that was the craziest coincidence. <laughs> so then um, over that summer with Tracy's bridal par- bridal shower, her wedding and everything, that's how Devin and I met was at her wedding reception. Um, and come to find out he is the family that Tracy would always go to Gray's River with. So like aside from the fact that it has always been an absolute requirement of mine to marry someone who loves the outdoors as much as me. It was huge for me that not only did Devin love the outdoors, but he loved Gray's River. That was something that no one else could ever add up to, and no one else could understand that love I have for that place like Devin because he has the exact same love for it. Yeah. And it's just the craziest coincidence. <laughs> and it's like a sign we could not ignore. And it's like, it's one of those things that for everybody listening out there, you have a a spot. You have a family tradition. You have a location that is important to you that for whatever reason, like, your family goes to that every year and it's special and it's special for specific reasons. And for Katie's family and for my family, the Grays river is that special place. Like it is a retreat. It is a vacation spot. It's amazing fishing recreation, but it's also, uh, oddly spiritual in a way. Totally. But it is, it, what's important about it and how it relates to how we function as a, as a family with our kids and how important the outdoors is for us is our connection to that particular place. Would you agree? Still? Yes. It just still, like we said, we're 10 years into this. It blows my mind (laughs) that you have even heard of the Grays river, let alone also been vacationing there as long as I have the same time of year even I mean we we've talked about this so many times that there are instances where we have probably crossed paths up there and didn't even know it yeah like there's this awesome amazing little lake up there one summer Devin and his brothers and friends built a log raft I have pictures of me and my siblings playing on that raft (laughs) It's crazy. One year there was a wildfire and there was on the other side of the mountain, there was a helicopter coming over, dipping its bucket in the river to take it back over the mountain. And my family and I were camping right by the field where the helicopter kept landing. And we kept running out there to watch it. It was so cool. And Devin has a similar story. He was camping at the same time, just up the hill and remembers running down the hill to come watch the helicopter. Like we were, we crossed paths so many times and we didn't even know it. Like, it's just crazy to me in the coolest way. (laughs) So now that we've gone down nostalgia lane. (laughs) I'm just saying. And we're we're losing people from our our love interest. But (laughs) I want to, let's, let's move on. I'm going to ask you a question that I haven't even 
just came to mind. Okay. I want you to to tell me your favorite camping trip that we have done as a family since you and I have known each other. That's a lot to choose from. It is a lot. Because we go on many trips a year. We go a lot. <laughs> I mean, my mind immediately goes to our road trip to Glacier National Park. I was pretty pregnant with our first daughter. Or like 25, 26 weeks pregnant? Yes. <laughs> pretty pregnant with our first daughter. That was kind of like our baby moon. We went with some friends. And it was your first time there, right? Mm-hmm. I had been as a teenager. And it was just, it was like our big last hurrah before we started this new crazy chapter, uh, starting a family, but also just the most beautiful place in the world. Like that trip will forever be a highlight of my life. It was amazing. But then I also think about, um, how ambitious we've been since having kids and the trips that I'm like proud of. Um, we did a day trip to Arches National Park with an 18 month old and a <laughs> six, six week, week old. old. <laughs> we took a six week old baby to Arches <laughs> National Park in April and hiked a bunch and it was amazing. And it was, it was chaos and it was quick. We did it in one day. So we drove, it was like three or four hours down there did a bunch of hikes, came back. It was a marathon day, but just so fun. And I just remember you and I like just laughing through it, laughing through the struggles, spending 20 minutes circling that tiny parking lot at the arches at the delicate arch trailhead. So we could hike this stupid thing that we came four hours to hike and eating salami and cheese off the dashboard. (laughs) Yes. Just like we didn't like, we didn't let anything go wrong because we were just like so psyched to be doing this. Just like, look at us. We're out here with a six week old. We're awesome. It was just really cool. And then like a month after that with a 10 week old, then we drove up to uh, Yellowstone and Teton national park. That's right. And that trip was really memorable for a lot of reasons. We had a really sick toddler on the way up and Just like really, I feel like that trip, we really focused on just like being present and being a family and like really starting those early stages of like showing our kids this beautiful planet and trying to instill in them that love that our parents instilled in us. And that trip was super memorable too. Do you have one? There, like you said, there's so, so many. But one of the trips, aside from like, obviously all of the trips of being up at the Greys together, like those are just, they're in their treasure box of like. <laughs> they're sacred. On, on their own. Um, but there's definitely that trip to Yellowstone and uh, Teton that was just incredible. But even just this year, I think when we we were so over the quarantine, we're so over just yes. being stuck at home and it was not honestly the most enjoyable like weather wise, but we went to Buckhorn Wash down on the Santa Fe Swell. It was hot. The kids were getting sand 
everywhere. Like, <laughs> you were a mess. But if you take the heat out of that whole experience, like, you and I stripped down to our underwear and when we were swimming at the river, like we just spent hours, like five or six hours on the edge of the river, like playing in the river. The kids were just having a ball. We didn't take swimsuits for you and I, but we just like, we were so hot, having so much fun. That's why we stripped down to our underwear. <laughs> Keep it PG, guys. Keep it PG. <laughs> but like, it didn't matter. We were just no. having so much fun. And I think that's what's important for the conversation we're having right now is that we know how important that is for each of us. And so I think that that, and I'm, I don't obviously don't want to speak for you, but I think that the experiences that we have as a family and your appreciation and your personal love for being outside gives you better understanding of my personal passion for backpacking totally and circling back around to this conversation about backpacking your perspective your as the wife of a backpacker like yeah how that how that works for you so so the next question that i want to ask you katie is what is the hardest thing about being married to a backpacker like me <laughs> well we're 10 years in You've been backpacking for most of our marriage. This has been a big part of you. And early on, the hardest part was definitely just worrying about you and like fearing for your safety. But you did a lot of things to combat that. You received your woofer certification, wilderness first responder. Okay, yeah, let me explain that for a second. <laughs> Just oh, is that it, not like a common thing? No, it's it's not. Oh, you're special. Um, <laughs> well, so when you say woofer, like that's an acronym that people aren't familiar with. Okay. So just as a tangent, a little bit of education piece here. A wilderness first responder certification is an 80-hour course where you learn basically how to administer wilderness first aid in back in the backcountry so shy of being an emt like it is a legitimate very robust course about how to run a patient assessment and diagnose in certain ways uh injuries and trauma and medical things that happen on the trail so Yes. Resume story. Okay. Well, so you, (laughs) you receiving that certification put me to ease, put my mind at ease because, um, I just knew that you were going into it with that knowledge and with that, um, that idea of safety in the back of your mind and the ability to do something about it if something happened. And the next game changer came when you started using sat phones or satellite devices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because before before the sat phone, can you just call it a sat phone? Is that sure? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> before you started using a bivy stick or Zolio, uh, before we would go on a trip, we would sit down at the coffee table and pull out an atlas and you would explain to me 
uh, your route. You would tell me, this is where I'm parking the car. This is the trail I'm going on. And I would have you give me a time. Like, okay, if I don't hear from you by 8 p.m. on Sunday, I need to call search and rescue. And that put a lot of pressure on me to remember where you were going, what you were doing. Um, I mean, there were points that I was taking screenshots of my route and like texting it to you and that kind of stuff. Yes, you use a lot of good apps. Um, But then once you got the sat phone, like I could text you. Well, you could text me and you could give me your GPS locations. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I can hand someone your last known exact coordinates if I needed to which was a huge relief for me. I have a lot of people now who get so freaked out when I say, like, you know, they'll be like, oh, where's Devin? He's backpacking this weekend. Oh, did he go with some friends? No, he's by himself. <laughs> that freaks people out. And then they get even more shocked when they see that I'm not freaked out. They're like, what? You let him out by himself? But you've really given me no reason to worry. You have so much experience at this point. And you're taking all of the safety measures you possibly can. And I also see the back end. I see all of the preparation you do going into every trip. I see the hours and hours you spend on topo maps, planning these routes out, looking for beta, talking to people who have done it. And I really have no space to worry because I know that you're putting in your due diligence. Like if something bad happened to you, it would be a freak thing. Because I know you're not going to make stupid decisions in the backcountry. Yeah, so curve, curveball question. How would it be different, though, if I had not been going through that process of sitting down before a trip and let's say I planned a trip and I was just like, hey, I'm going to go in the Uintas. I'll see you on Sunday. And I didn't give you any information. Like, how would that be different? Well, I'd worry more and we'd probably butt heads more about it. Like I would probably be more mad at you (laughs) about going for a long time. I was really wary of letting you go by yourself. That just didn't feel safe to me. And it's not something I would recommend to other people. But I just I mean, because I know you personally, I know that's something you can handle. And I know that's you're not just being dumb. I know that you're making an educated decision. Um. So I don't feel like it was until, I don't know, the last maybe five years that I've been okay with you going by yourself early on. That was like, no, you have to take someone with you. I'm too scared. (laughs) (laughs) So I think a lot of times you found a buddy just for my sake, for my, to put me at ease. Yeah. But I've also kind of learned that I don't actually like and enjoy solo backpacking as much as I initially thought I would when I was trying to push and do more solo trips. Solo trips have their place yes, place and they're, and they're important, but they are not what I have preference for. And I find that one to two people for my trips is right where my personality fits in what I enjoy for a trip. It's the right amount of, I'm an introvert. It's the right amount <laughs> Not of, too many people. Yeah. Not too much conversation. And, but I also am very calculated on who I choose to go with. Like I, you are. for specific reasons. 
and I've you and I have talked about this. Like I don't just go on random trips with anybody. Like I'm very calculated on who I go <laughs> with, and I plan specific trips with people that I know have a certain skill set or an understanding of an area, so that like it's happening in a like calculated strategic way for us to be able to have yeah like a really good experience yeah and i think from my perspective i do that also as a like level of protection for you and our kids because i want you to have more sense of knowing that i'm going out there with another person that is not going to necessarily put me in a dangerous situation. Like they're going to make smart decisions as well. And well, I think that you base, I mean, it all has to go together. You base your trips off of who, who you're going with has a lot of say in where you're going to go. Just like weather would determine where you go. I think who you plan on going with. Um, can change your plans because there's been a lot of times where if you have a trip plan with a certain group of people and someone backs out or things change, more people get added on. Um, in those cases, the trip almost always changes. And I think that's because you're really good at um, maneuvering your plan to best fit what's going to work for everyone. I have more thoughts on this. Do you want me to keep going? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, my next... The next hard thing about being married to a backpacker is the, the time, because if you had your way, you'd probably backpack every single weekend. So kind of like we said earlier, um, I definitely have to speak up and say like, hey, it's my turn. I want to be camping with you. Yeah. <laughs> quit quit doing backpacking so we can go out as a family. Um, so I, I feel like the time it, is a sacrifice. Yes. But if it's not like... A camping trip. Because we don't just only go camping as a family. Like, that's not the only alternative to me going on the trips that I go on. Like, sure. I make sure that you have time to go and do the things <laughs> that you want to do. Yeah, we, we have kind of a an un... Well, not an unspoken rule. It's pretty It's, an, it's, it's an pretty agreement spoken. Now. We, have an, we have an agreement. <laughs> Uh, every few backpacking trips Devin takes, I try to get a weekend away to myself because that is what I would like to do. <laughs> Hole up in a hotel room by myself for a night. And you're really good about letting that be the case. You're really good about checking in with me and my needs. And, and that just makes it easier for me to let you go. Along with the time thing, I think that... Um, You're just very mindful of the sacrifice it is on my end when you go on a trip. You realize the pressure that you put on me to like stay at home, take care of the kids, hold down the fort so you can go and you make sure that we share that load equally. So if you get a backpacking trip, then I get time away too. Um, I mean, I do, I go out with my friends a bunch. You make sure that I get that time away that I need just as often as you get the time away that you need. Yeah. And I think we've just over the years, um, really practiced communicating in that way. It has not always come easy. 
um, but we're definitely getting better at it. I guess the next question that I'll ask you, put me on a pedestal, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Not hard to do. But what's the best thing about being married to a backpacker? What is not to love? (laughs) Like I said, put me on a pedestal. Make me feel good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I don't think I can speak for all backpackers, but the cool thing about being married to you and your love for backpacking is that it's rubbed off on me in a really unique way um, where I kind of have this front row seat at watching you pursue the things that you love to do and you prioritize those things. You make time for them. And you do what makes you happy. When we were very first married, you were working a job that you really loved. And shortly after, we both kind of noticed that light in you like go out and you just weren't fulfilling you weren't feeling fulfilled at work anymore. Um And when we noticed that, we sat down, decided that like something needs to change. That can't be the case. (laughs) And that is when we flipped our whole world upside down. We, you switched your major, you, at the time you were majoring in photography, right? you switched your major to outdoor recreation. And then we decided you should really be working in the field. And that's when you started working at the climbing gym and that spark in you was back and it was really cool to witness and you loved going to work every single day and that was huge like I do not believe that we should work nine to five and then die I think you should do what makes you happy and (laughs) if you spend 40 hours a week working I really think you need to love it so it was totally worth the sacrifice you took a 50% pay cut from to work at a rock climbing gym but it was totally worth it I mean over the years it definitely paid off and we've had a similar thing recently I mean that light kind of went out on you again eight years later um you you just weren't feeling fulfilled like you had been and we made a change again we took another leap we took another pay cut and here you are, what, two months in? Just over a month Just in. Just a month in. <laughs> and you're psyched about work again. And you are just like happy to be doing what you're doing, even though it's sacrifice, even though it's hard. And I just always want to advocate for your happiness and your mental health over our like proprietary needs. You know, like money's never going to be what makes us happy. I want, I want our lives to be happy as they are. I don't have to spend our time waiting and wishing for things. And it, I'm glad that you said that because I think it's important that we always remind each other that when I switched my major from photography to outdoor recreation management we we said to each other and it was a conversation with your parents as well that like this is not a major that's going to land jobs that are going to pay we're not going to be rich <laughs> six figures and you're going to be 
have this amazing savings account and everything, but like you're investing into a lifestyle decision through this education. And I'm just really glad that and, and grateful that my passion and my love for the outdoors and what my education has provided has afforded us and me a job that is in the outdoor industry. I mean, I work for an outdoor gear company. Like how many people Your literal dream, my literal, like, literal dream. I work for an outdoor gear company that makes backpacks that gets people out into the backcountry, And that, I mean, the fact that I'm doing that is providing for our family. Yeah, it's so awesome. Like you've just proven over and over again in our marriage that like you can make a career, you can make a living doing what you love. Like you have not let that stop you. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, listeners. I don't mean to like boast or brag or <laughs> anything like that. But if there's anything to take away from what I am passionate about and what I have taken is to pursue what you are passionate about and make it work for you. Totally. I mean, we made the decision, like, would we rather have a ton of money or would we rather be happy? And we chose happiness. And and that's not to say that we're not dogging on people that <laughs> do work nine to five jobs. And, and it's also not saying that we're dirt poor because we're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, but like saying that somebody that works in insurance or an accountant like that they don't enjoy their jobs that's not what we're no, saying totally but like <laughs> i just think it's important to love what you do yes that's all i'm saying find your like, passion go for it yeah just all in well and you've taken it a step further with like backcountry exposure with the with youtube with the podcast i mean like it's just cool to watch you grow and succeed and wake up every day and know that you're going to have a good day because you're doing what you love. Just last week, my job was helping develop a new product and then test the product on a trip. Which like, knowing you like I do is <laughs> just, like you're you're literally living your dream. And I don't know how many people can honestly say that. Like that's really unique to you and... If you don't have to brag about yourself, but I will. I'll brag about you because <laughs> it's really cool. And I mean, to bring this relationship and marriage perspective back into it is I've I sat here and watched you do this over and over again. And it's become something that I respect in you so much that like I do not ever want to be a hindrance to that in you. I would I don't ever want to be the reason that you don't pursue something you love because I see that fire that it puts under you and I don't ever want to be the one that puts that out because amazing things always come of it. So the next question I want to ask you and this is kind of a difficult one and a little bit of a curveball but this year you decided that with our two girls, you're going to go hiking every single week. You're going to take them hiking. And I don't remember how many miles you did with them over, what, 15 weeks or something? 30. 
30 miles. My five and three and a half year old hiked 30 miles this summer. That's amazing. You're incredible. R. R five and three. <laughs> but I did it. It was me. <laughs> so the question is, why don't you backpack? Why are you not a backpacker? <laughs> like if you're if you're if you're married to me, who freaking loves backpacking any opportunity, I love type two fun. I love doing hard things. I don't always love it in the moment. I mean, that is like the whole basis of type two fun, but like you love camping. You love being outside. Why the crap (laughs) do you not backpack more? Why is it so hard for me to get you to go backpacking? (laughs) Hey, no. Okay. This is where I'm at with backpacking. I don't like it, (laughs) but I respect it. Um, we, we had gone on, I think two trips, two backpacking trips together pretty early on in our marriage, pretty early on in your love for backpacking. Um, one of those trips was into the high Uinas and I had some altitude sickness that was really scary and stressful and like, I just didn't, I didn't have a great time on that trip. There was a scary thunderstorm. Um, I felt very vulnerable <laughs> and that trip kind of put a bad taste in my mouth for backpacking. So I avoided it for a long time, but I never wanted to hold you back. I like, you go ahead, you go backpacking. I'll be good over here and I will come with you when the car is involved. <laughs> Can we, can I unpack that a little bit? Cause I don't know that we've ever, <laughs> we've ever talked about it, but what, what was it about that trip? Cause that was the, like, that was our first year of marriage. That was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't even really know what I'm trying to say, but like, what was it about that trip that was off putting? Was it something that I did in how I helped us prepare for the trip or something I didn't do. Well, like I said, this was this was early on in your backpacking career too. So, you definitely didn't have this kind of experience under your belt. You didn't have this kind of knowledge under your belt. Um so I think you were probably going into that trip less confident than you would now, for sure. Um And I had zero confidence going into that trip. It was harder than I expected it to be. My pack was heavier than I thought it would be. Um, The thunderstorms came on quicker than I thought they would. (laughs) And we had my brother's dogs. Yeah, we had two dogs (laughs) with us. Um, It was just scary. I was scared. I That was my first time doing something like that. And... I think it was just a timing thing because, and you know, this last year I got the idea in my head for a backpacking trip that you were not psyched on doing. No, (laughs) I had to talk you into this trip. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. And the thing that made all the difference was your experience. This time, this trip we went into so much more confidently because you could backpack in your sleep at this point. Ten years ago, when we did that first trip into Mohawk Lake, 
we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> right. And your expertise is what carried me through this trip we did last year. We, I got this idea in my head that I really wanted to yeah, give some, give some background on this. <laughs> um, I, I had this idea that I really wanted to hike King's peak, which is the tallest peak in Utah. 13,528 feet. You're like freaking tall guys. It's, it was a lot. And I started doing endurance training. I started conditioning for it. Just like really ready to like do this big, hard mountain summit, this peak. And it didn't occur to me right away that this trip would require backpacking. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know why, because I knew it was what, 28 miles or something. So once I realized that like, this is going to mean backpacking, it honestly didn't stress me out like I thought it would because is it because like you knew how much I had progressed? Yes. It's because I had the confidence in your ability and just, I don't know. I had been a witness now for nearly 10 years of your, your backpacking expertise. Like you really, you know what you're doing. You know, these areas, Kings Peak is not a hike or trail you're familiar with. That's not an area of the Uintas you had ever even been to before. I'd never done it before. But it also didn't really phase you. Why were you not psyched to go on that trip, though? The weather. Don't you remember the week before? The weather was nuts. It was the end of September and... I think you're being dramatic. No, it was was crazy. Like, sub-freezing temperatures. It had snowed. And I was not psyched <laughs> on taking you into those conditions. Because you and, knew I already didn't like backpacking. And yeah. I think I think part of you saw this trip as like, maybe I could change her. <laughs> maybe maybe this yes. could be the turning point. Yes and it's no. It's got to be a good experience or she's never going to come with me again. <laughs> <laughs> but going and doing King's Peak where it is high in altitude... You are doing a lot of elevation gain and loss. That is, I'm not going to take that as just like, oh yeah, it's just a walk in the park. Like not a big deal. Like with how much, with the the woofer, the wilderness first responder training of just being prepared and risk management decision-making, like I can't go away from that process of thinking after I've had it ingrained and trained and just embedded into my brain so much. I think other people who don't have that level of education, which I think is an important, it's kind of like a theme that (laughs) we've like figured out in this conversation, but like the more education that I have received and you have received has changed the perspective on what backpacking is for us and being yes. out in the backcountry and what we choose to do out there. But like that process of it had just snowed, it was super cold, and the weather down in the desert was beautiful. And when yes, I look you, at when I looked at the yes. two options, it was like 
We can go do King's Peak, but it's probably going to suck. Well, you you decided that there were options all of a sudden. You were like, well, Katie, if you want to go backpacking, let's go to the desert. And I said, no, Dev, I don't want to go backpacking. I do not want to be backpacking. I want to summit King's Peak. That was my goal. My goal was not to backpack. And it kind of took me some time to get you to warm up to that idea. And I think what we're realizing now, right now, in the middle of this conversation, <laughs> is that you were nervous about this trip because you knew how hard it was going to be. Yeah. I did not know how hard it was going to be. I would learn. <laughs> but I didn't know in the planning process how hard it was be how hard it would be. I just had tunnel vision for this bucket list item. Yeah. I had set my mind to this goal and I did not want to let go of it. I wanted to see myself follow through. That was so important to me. And what happened, this is kind of like a timeline of that trip. In the first mile and a half, we stopped and fixed a blister yeah. on your heel and taped your heels for the rest of the trip. That KT tape didn't come off until at the car. No. And 28 miles of hiking. Second day was a 14-mile day. This is a big day. It was very, very hard. And going up over two really difficult passes. Now, the King's Peak Trail, like the Henry's Fork Trail, mm-hmm. is... Like, very popular, very well-worn. It is an easy trail to follow. Clearly marked. Like, for me, King's Peak was physically a piece of cake. But of the past dozen or so trips that I've done, that was probably the most mentally difficult trip that I've done. Because well, I, think that's I was you, hiking for two people. Yes, you you put the pressure on yourself to make sure I was having a good experience, which you did a great job of. Because it was hard. I never want to do it again. Um, but I'm really, <laughs> I'm really glad I did it. And I would not have done it without you. I would not have been able to make it off that summit without you. And I think that was the interesting thing is like I spent a solid six months conditioning and training um, for the summit to get myself up that mountain. By the time we got to the peak, I had completely forgotten to prepare myself for the mental challenge it would be to get all the way back down. And that is when I really started to rely on you. And I think that's when the trip got harder for you too. Because going up, getting up to the peak... It was just all psych. It was hard, but we were motivated. Coming back down, we were just over it. <laughs> and yeah. I had a big breaking point at one point, And you had to carry me, not literally, but mentally, emotionally, you had to carry me off that mountain. Yeah. And not to mention, but something that actually, in in the mental aspect of things, the fact that the water filter... The single water filter that we had, we we were basically out of water. Only this, only the only water filter we took with us to the summit. We had another one at camp. Yes, because you're a prepared backpacker. Yes, <laughs> but basically doing the summit was a day hike, and so 
I I didn't carry a, a backup uh, system. So we had more or less ran out of water and we got down off the saddle. We're starting to make our way down into the basin. And I, I, I guess it was a mistake, but basically the water filter failed for reasons we won't get into. We got a whole YouTube video on it. And <laughs> that for me pissed me off. You were livid. I was so frustrated and knew how much more difficult that was going to make the rest of the day, which seven miles doesn't seem like a lot, but there was still probably it was a 20, ton of elevation, 2,500 feet of elevation gain and loss that we had to still do over that seven miles. And we are at 11,000 feet, like well, and what's harsh conditions. What's interesting is this happened. The water filter issue happened before I had my big psychotic breakdown. <laughs> but what's interesting is in the moments where I was weak, you stepped in and like carried me through it when you I've literally never seen you that mad before as you were at that water filter. (laughs) And when you got down to that point is when I stepped in and I had to talk you off your ledge. And I think that's what made that trip such a success is that in all the planning and all like trying to convince each other about how to make this trip happen. Once we got on the same page about it, everything clicked so instantly and we just worked like a team we were like we were so seamless in caring for each other in that way obviously you had to do more of that than I did (laughs) because that was really difficult for me (laughs) but there was just a lot of teamwork in that trip that honestly strengthened our marriage truly so the question I want to ask you now (laughs) She just looked at me like, uh, okay, where's this going? Well, to answer the question, that trip is really when I learned to respect backpacking because it is hard work. It is type two fun in its truest form. Uh, so I walked away from that trip just with more respect for you and more respect for the sport and it didn't give me the bug like I think you (laughs) hoped it did in a way um but I I just respect it now in a way that I definitely didn't before and I think that was important for me to do um I mean that trip was a big deal for me for myself for my own goal to summit the tallest peak in Utah But it was also an important trip for our marriage because it completely shifted my perspective and my understanding of what backpacking is, like what it actually is, how hard it is, and what it is for you. I got a taste of um, that, that type two fun. I got a taste of that sense of accomplishment and that fulfillment that you get from the solitude of being miles away from any kind of civilization in the backcountry and I don't think I could have gained that respect and that perspective any other way 
So I don't like backpacking, but I respect it. <laughs> How good was that pasta marinara, though? It was honestly one of the best meals of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Peak Refuel. <laughs> uh, I knew that I had to bring that up because she was just so cute. All bundled up. We had got camp we all got set up. camp for the night. The first night. Sitting in her chair. Got her dinner all squared away. And just happy as a clam. <laughs> to be sitting there eating the pasta marinara. It was amazing. <laughs> so what I want you to do is give some advice. So clearly, like me getting you out on a backpacking trip every month is not going to happen. No, I'm, I'm not going to rule it out, but certainly not monthly. <laughs> but as somebody that has been through that experience and like clearly you support me and my passion and everything for backpacking and what it is, give some advice to people listening on like your perspective of how they can basically support somebody that is in their life that is very passionate about it so that they feel like they're able to keep moving forward with that. Um, I don't think any of the advice I have is backpacking specific, but it really all comes down to communication for you and I. It's communicating about scheduling a trip. You're always good about letting me know in advance and it's not a matter of asking my permission. That's not how a marriage functions. <laughs> it's not about permission. Um, it's about communication. We don't, in, <laughs> in the Ashby household, employ the happy wife, happy life mentality. Not at all. <laughs> I think that's a bunch of bullcrap. <laughs> it's a partnership. Absolutely. We work as a team and... Honestly, I think what made the biggest difference is that before you and I were even married, you made it a point immediately when we started dating that you liked me, you liked spending time with me, but you also were prioritizing yourself and your needs. And you made sure I knew very early on how important your quote unquote Devon time, as we used to call it, was to you. And that just kind of led to a habit, our whole marriage, that's just been understood. That the way that you function as a person requires time to yourself to do what you love. And that's rubbed off in me in a way where I've just been inspired by your passion and your tenacity to like go after the things that you like to do. And that's rubbed off in me. And now I have spent a lot of time really looking inward and analyzing myself and figuring out what I like to do and going after what I want to do. And you've been just as big of an advocate for me in those things as I have been for you in your things. And it's, it's just a balance. It's a matter of give and take. Like we said earlier, you don't, you go on as many trips as you can, but you're very mindful of how that affects me and how that affects our family and our home life and our schedule. And you make sure I get the break I need to. 
Awesome. So I think it's just a matter of working together and it doesn't need to be a wedge. That's for sure. (laughs) If anything, I feel like oftentimes I'm the first to suggest you go on a backpacking trip. (laughs) I mean, you're, you're always planning something. You're always scheming your next trip. You've always got, you know, a list and maps pulled out, but I've just watched for so long and, and in a way you've kind of taught me how important this is for you. And I've seen you come back from these trips feeling fulfilled and even, I mean, backpacking is hard, but you come back like rested mentally at least. And it fulfills you in a way that I know nothing else can. So when I start to notice you getting stressed or feeling overwhelmed or cooped up, I'm usually the first one to say like, hey, you should probably go on a backpacking trip this weekend. (laughs) Even if you can only get out for one night, like, please go. You'll come back happier. We'll all be happier. We'll all function better because I know that you need to fill up your cup. It's that saying, it's like that saying goes, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I know that the way you fill up your cup is getting that solitude that you can only find in the wilderness. In the back country. In the back country. The wilderness. <laughs> well, thanks for being such a good support and a solid support. <laughs> You're welcome. Right back at you. So now that everybody listening has had a deep dive into <laughs> our the, marriage, the marriage of Devin and Katie, uh, I I think there's some really good nuggets of. The things that we that we talked about and important perspectives and this feels a little bit less like a backpacking podcast and more like a marriage and family therapy podcast. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. We tied it in. But the important thing though is that like backpacking is not just like, oh cool, yeah, we're gonna go do this fun thing. Like it may be for some people. It plays a big role in our marriage. Yeah. It's a big part of who we are, who I am. Well, yeah, it's a it's and a huge part of who you are, so it affects our marriage in a lot of ways. Yeah. So that's why we spent so much time talking about our relationship and all of that. Yes. <laughs> but with that, Katie, thank you for being an amazing guest, <laughs> co-host of You're the welcome. of the backpacking experience. Anytime. <laughs> But I do appreciate everybody listening to this episode. If you are not following or subscribed to the Backpacking Experience, I would highly encourage you to do so on whatever listening app or uh, system you use to listen to your podcasts. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, I would definitely appreciate if you would leave a rating and a review of the podcast. Just am so grateful for... Uh, everybody's sticking around listening to the podcast. I know that episodes are kind of few and far between at this point. Life is very busy. As you heard in this episode, started a new job last month. Two kids. Two kids. Needy wife. (laughs) Not a needy (laughs) wife. (laughs) But life is busy and episodes will continue to come out uh, when I have time to record. But again, thank you for listening to today's episode. And we'll catch you next time on the Backpacking Experience. See you later, guys.